0: hello club members i'm kate stop doing that you're not kate (laughs) that's emma you guys it's it's perfect because it's just long enough that everyone forgets that i do (laughs) pull a sneaky on them yeah i don't know i think that sneaky i think that the whatever title that this is about to be a bit probably clued them in because i'll tell you we're doing a true crime welcome to crime corner it's time for some crime, Yeet. and Emma has forewarned me that this one is going to upset me. Emma, any trigger warnings yeah. that we need or I need? Um, yes. So I want to warn. I think this is an important case to talk about in a topical one, but I want to warn people um, that's a little unsettling mm-hmm. um, and that they should enter with caution, um, and it's an ongoing um, investigation. It involves stabbings, so any... oh. Any associations with that? Um, maybe skip this episode. Emma, this has made me feel um, more terrified, but thank you so much. Not to scare everybody, but I do think it's an important one to talk about um, and one that you may have heard about and have kind of wondered, you know, what what's the backstory behind that and, and what are people talking about? I will say on our recent trip to um, New Orleans, because Ariana and I went on a trip, spooky girls trip to new Orleans and did like ghost tours and stuff mm-hmm. uh I went to the Museum of Death it's not far from Bourbon Street um downtown me? yeah so I went to the Museum of Death because it was I don't know what direction this is gonna go in. it was you no know, it's like it could be very you know educational or it could be very unnecessary yeah so th- that's so I thought it would be something different than it was and um it was awful and I'm just going to tell everyone, don't go there. It was $17. And it was basically, like, I knew there would be some... $17? S- God damn it, $17. Well, it had good reviews. And they're very, like, not... They don't talk... They don't really disclose what the museum's about. Because they want people to go in and, like, see it. You can't take pictures and stuff, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, and it was awful. I knew there would be some serial killer worship. But there was, like, an entire, like, a third of it was serial killer worship. And then no. there was, like... Yeah, and then there was just, like, crime scene photos, like... I don't know how they Mm -hmm. got these photos, like, photos of Sharon Tate, like, dead after the Manson murders. And there was a time where people or newspapers could literally post crime scene photos on their newspapers. And that time has fortunately come and gone. Oh, my God. But I wonder if it it was, you know, from that era. I wonder if, you know, the Manson murders, that was a time where they were still doing that. I have a really strong stomach and, that like, I almost started to get like a little like lightheaded almost like it was. So I saw some horrifying stuff and it's unnecessary. Like that's not something that's, you know, making us more aware of our surroundings or, and I want to be very clear that when we do these crime corners, we are not glorifying Yes, the people who committed these acts. I think that it's important. I think sometimes there are people who are quote into crime, which actually will become relevant in this story where it's an unhealthy interest and it's, and it's – or people who are, like, buying the artwork of John Wayne Gacy. Like, that's that, up So up in my opinion. It was shit like that that was in this museum. And then, like, it was me and Ariana. And then, like, we kind of looked around at who we were in this museum with. And it was a bunch of single white men. Ooh, And we were, like, hmm. Like, one guy had, like, a like a army kind of coat on. And I was, like, I think we – I think this is – I think we should go. <laughs> I think we should go. Yeah. So to their credit, maybe they walked in also not knowing what it was. So I thought it maybe it would be about like, you know, New Orleans is kind of a spooky place that has an interesting relationship with the afterlife yeah. and things like that. So I, I would have I would have guessed that it would have been related to that and like voodoo and things like that. So Me too. I would have bought a ticket not knowing. So maybe I, yeah, they did that it as was, well. It was all behind a curtain. I really thought I like there was some educational stuff in there and stuff that I learned about. Like there was, you know, like embalm old school embalming tables and like um, mm-hmm. you know, the angel of death and like his machine and how it worked. And it was very like some like some stuff Mm -hmm. was fascinating. But then like 95 percent of it was just like uh, like trying to be disgusting and horrifying and upsetting. Mm -hmm. So anyway, all that to say, if I could handle that, (laughs) although I did have one nightmare that night, if I can handle that, I bet I can handle this. No, not knowing what it is. So this week we're covering the murder of the Idaho four. (gasps) That's you mentioned that to me. While we were watching Terrifier 2. And then I said, I can't talk to you about this. I'll talk to you about it later. Oh, no. The time has come. This is putting us back into 2022. So recently. Oh. And I was following this. I was following this news story from the time that it happened. I hadn't heard of this. So this starts out in on November 12th, 2022. So less than six months ago in a place called Moscow. Um, Are you talking about Russia? No. (laughs) There's Moscow, Moscow, Idaho. Idaho. That's not funny. The very well-known... Moscow, Idaho. We have a Paris, Um, Mississippi, so so whatever. Yeah, so this is actually the home of the University of Idaho. This takes place in a six-bedroom house... Uh, where there are five people living there. There's Maddie and Kaylee, who have been best friends since sixth grade. And then there's um, some other roommates. At the time, Maddie, one of the two best friends, she was actually soon to be moving. So she had accepted a job in Austin, but she'd come back to show she had just bought a new car with her, the money that she had saved up. Or it was like a used car, but you know, like a nice, nice functioning. I earned this car. Yeah, all my cars are used. And then you don't feel as bad for putting dumb bumper stickers on it like I do. Yeah, Kate does have some dumb bumper stickers. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) So Maddie has come back to show Kaylee, her best friend, her new car. Mm. And together they've decided to go out that night at a local bar called the Corner Club. So this is, to paint a picture, the Corner Club is... A bar that's been open since like 1948 or something like that it's been open a long time and it's one of those this isn't a really big city so it's one of those places where you know maybe an off-duty sheriff and the college students and like a mix of people are there but it's a pretty safe place to be in a place where um that was reported that if you were uncomfortable you could tell someone and know that it would be taken care of oh that's nice um yeah so those two go to this corner club and then there's another roommate named uh, Zana. Who's going to a sick Mackay frat party. It's a very, I thought the same thing. Zana, She's going pretty. to a frat party with her 20 year old boyfriend, Ethan, um, who one thing that I, so a lot of the things when they talk about Ethan, they talk about how sweet and silly and playful. Um, and then one of my favorite takeaways from it was that he was a tulip farmer, a tulip farmer. Yeah. Oh, that's really cute. The corner club where the two girls, Maddie and Kaylee, were going is like twenty one and up. They they card everybody, so I think that's probably. I'm making assumptions, but I think I suspect that's part of the reason why um, Zanna and Ethan were going somewhere else on a Friday night because mm-hmm. there's limited limited pickings in the in the town, and um, so a frat party it is. Also going to this party is the youngest housemate named Bethany. They all go to the house party. The three of them go to the house party. Maddie and Kaylee go to the corner club. Then around 1.30, Maddie and Kaylee leave the corner club. They start walking back towards their house, but it's about a mile away. And keep in mind, this is Idaho in the middle of winter. Ooh. So they stop at a place called The Grub. It's a truck. And one of the things that initially, the first thing I saw about this case was The Grub hub uh truck has a like twitch live streaming video okay at first i was like why would they have that but i think it's probably cheap um advertising. surveillance right oh or cheap advertising cheap yeah. surveillance you know what i, I mean like i it's, see it's, people it's kind do that on tiktok and I stuff i believe it i just wasn't really familiar with it and i think i don't know if i mentioned it but along with bethany was another roommate named dylan who was also at. so four of the Four of the people that I've talked about were at this frat party. And then the two, the two girls, um, Maddie and Kaylee, were at um, the corner club. So they leave the corner club, Maddie and Kaylee do. They stop at this grub truck um, to get food on their way back home. And then it's too cold and slushy and freezing to walk the rest. Of, it's only about a mile, but to walk that back. Yeah. So they grab a Uber. And they know the guy in the Uber. It's a small town. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, familiar face. So they arrive home at 2 a.m., um, they enter the front via like a number lock mm-hmm. um, on their door, like a, a electronic key code. I should note that this house, because it was off campus, was a place where they could host a lot of parties and things like that. Mm-hmm. So you said it was a six bedroom. Exactly, yeah. it's a big place. You can you can see it from campus. Um, it's a you know, a bunch of like Keystone lights are outside outside the place classic from previous college parties. Stuff, um, yeah, classic college stuff. And so there's five of them. So you know that. The five people who are living there, that being Kaylee, Madison, Zanna, and then um, Dylan and Bethany, all girls, just to clarify, Dylan is a girl. Um, oh. They all have codes, obviously. And then they also have shared their codes with friends. Ooh, yeah. I would. I don't know that I would do that Um yeah, key, codes, key code entries make me a little bit nervous. But also, are these undergrads, I assume? Yeah, they're undergrads at the University of, of Idaho. And then to clarify, Ethan, the guy that I've mentioned, is dating Zanna. Okay. So he's staying over with Zanna, but he doesn't live at the house. He's okay. just staying over with his girlfriend. So they get home at around 2 a.m. Soon thereafter, Zanna and Ethan, her boyfriend, come home, along with the other two housemates, Dylan and Bethany, the mm-hmm. ones who are coming from a frat party. So within an hour of that, Kaylee, one of the two girls who went to corner club, she calls her ex like seven times, but he doesn't answer. They'd been dating. They were high school sweethearts and then had broken up and things like that, but had known each other or been together for like five years. Mm -hmm. So she does that before bed. She's probably, I would guess, a little tipsy and doing like a tipsy ex-boyfriend dial. Yeah, we've all been there. They're playing with their dog. Oh, there's a dog. dog Oh, there's a dog. Mm. Oh, God. The dog is okay. Let me, I'll just say that now. The dog lives i mean that this is still fucking awful but i just that would have yeah. been the cherry on top of the shit sunday so exactly let me just give that the small small consolation that the yeah. dog's okay Kaylee, i think shared this dog with her uh, ex-boyfriend so they have this dog named murphy and so they're still murphy. connected in various ways everyone's settling in you know post night out kind of activities and then at 4 a.m Xana slips out to pick up what I assume is like an uber eats or a Mm -hmm. DoorDash. she picks up a a late night food delivery and then they all go to sleep okay where's Dylan um Dylan's not in this photo that's fine and I I think that may be on purpose um okay they look so young they are they are so young yeah, they are. They, I mean, they are. Like, as I was mentioning, some of the people were too young to go to. Like, they were under 21, so they couldn't go to the same parties that – or couldn't go to the same thing that the other ones were going to. Babies. So, as I mentioned, 4 a.m. is kind of when things wrap up. When, when Zanna gets her late-night delivery and they all go to sleep. So if you go to this photo I sent you, it'll help a little bit when I'm talking about the layout of this house, just to kind of give you an idea of what the house looks like. And I'll describe it as well. Or actually, I'll have you describe it. Oh, yeah, I see it. So it looks like a house like it's a it's a cute little two story house. It's pretty big. It's like a split level three story house. Um, yeah, it has a balcony. Um, and, it, and I can see the university of idaho campus from this picture yeah so it's very very tell close it's a, to campus it's a stone a stone's throw and you could tell yeah. it's a, a nice it's, close-knit city or town because this was also less than a mile from where they went to that bar right yeah it feels very like mississippi state like where i went to school Mm-hmm. actually yeah. it does i didn't think about that but it's, it really does it feels a lot like that because like especially when you mentioned like you know who your uber is like there's like one or two people mm-hmm. yeah okay so this is like an intimate town Small small college town. So like Kate said, it, it's kind of on a hill. So the bottom floor, I guess you would call it the first floor, is also kind of a like a sub-basement that's kind of built into the hill. Mm-hmm. On that first floor is where Bethany lives. Then on the second floor are two more bedrooms and the second floor also is the floor where the kitchen is Mm -hmm. which is where you see kind of the sliding the sliding um glass doors Mm -hmm. at the back of the house Mm -hmm. and even the rear that you can see in this photo Mm -hmm. goes into like the kitchen okay so on that second floor is dylan and zanna okay and then on the top floor that third floor is where it kind of makes sense because they're the family they're the childhood best friends where kaylee and madison are yeah it looks like a great place to live if you're a student like i would be so excited if i got to live in this house with all of my best friends. I think it'd be so fun. To, even now, I'm like, get me into a house with a bunch of my friends. That sounds yeah. great. Sounds like chaos. <laughs> it sounds terrible. I don't want to do sound like chaos. But in college, it sounds fun. Everyone goes to sleep. And then it, very soon after Xana uh, picks up that late night delivery, Dylan um, on the second floor wakes up and she hears what sounded like Kaylee playing with her dog Murphy on the floor above. Mm-hmm. It sounded like someone, which it kind of sounded like one of the girls said, there's someone here. So Dylan opens the door and then she doesn't see anything. So she closes the door, locks it, attempts to get back to bed. She, she's not able to fall back asleep and she hears what she described as crying from Kaylee's room. Followed by what sounded like a male voice saying something like, it's okay, I'm going to help you. So she opens her door again but sees nothing and she closes the door. Then at 4.17, so in a 15-minute period, Murphy the dog starts barking upstairs And what was captured around the same time by neighborhood cameras that were in the area was, like, some sort of loud thud. Oh, God. And so when she keeps hearing crying, she opens up the door a third time. In the dark, she sees a stranger in black clothes (gasps) in a mask, except that you can see his eyes and his eyebrows, which she describes as bushy. Oh, my God. And the most horrifying thing is that the stranger walks right past her without turning and seeing her. Yes, they find a shoe print outside of her doorway from where he had walked directly by her. Oh my god, and he just didn't see her. So that happens, and then nothing happens for hours. At 9 in the morning, a 911 call comes in. Okay, so she saw that, and then she just retreated to her room? So I think a lot of people wondered about this. I've If I saw someone in my house, I would be calling everyone. I think there's a couple of theories why this didn't happen immediately. I think trauma, everyone responds to trauma differently. She probably just hid. Yeah, I think she hid in her room, locked the door and hid in her room. So I don't know if that was what happened. And I think it's really important not to place blame on her for not doing this. I think a lot of people were like, why wouldn't you call 911? Cause I, and I empathize with that in the sense that like I feel like I'm so um, on edge and have – Listen to so much true crime that I would I have a very low threshold for calling nine one one. But what I c- have not experienced and could not relate to right. is the experience of really scary things happening in your house and how you trauma respond. Yeah, like fight so or I, flight or freeze. Freeze is the third one. Yeah, and people forget about the freeze one, um, which yeah. I think is um, important not to be forgotten. But I think the main thing is it's not the point. Like we don't know why that happened. We don't know what exactly accounts for the last. But what we she, do know was... She might have been just hiding under her bed. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't know if she was, like, texting other other yeah. roommates. You just don't know what was going on then. So what we do know is that around nine or so, the two surviving roommates, Bethany and Dylan, oh. woke up um, and went into the kitchen and could see that there was, like, blood coming down um, from the third floor, like, onto the cabinets in the kitchen. <gasps> And so they go up to the third floor and they find um, Maddie and Kaylee um, who had died together in bed together because they were snuggling together. Oh, my God. It that really hit me because like that's so it's so you and me, you know, the dog was okay. The dog was unharmed. Um, He had been locked into a a room. So so whoever this was specifically was like, I'm going to move this dog into this room. Yes, that's weird. It is weird. So as I said, Bethany and Dylan see the blood kind of dripping from the third floor. Go upstairs, see Maddie and Kaylee. At that time, they don't do any more exploring. They exploring. They run out of the house. One of them unfortunately faints, and the other one is then in charge of calling nine one one. So she's hyperventilating on the phone with nine one one, and they're only the nine one one operators only ultimately able to hear something about someone being unconscious or something. And so that's what the dispatch is is sent out under, is is to follow up in an unconscious person. So police show up. They then do a canvas of the house. They go in, and on the second floor, we, we already know that Maddie and Kaylee have been killed on the third floor, but on the second floor in Zanna's room, they find that Zanna and her boyfriend Ethan have also been stabbed to death. That's awful. It's really, really awful. So then the question becomes well who did this and how do they catch them um so three weeks pass and the public is getting really frustrated families like where's our suspect everyone's very understandably scared and upset that this place that they know to be a very safe area has had something so traumatic happen so someone had a someone had a code right and at this time we don't even know about the code like as i remember reading about this in november and early december and being like where are we going? You know, there's just so little information, um, and people are upset, and you know, accusing police of ha- lacking transparency, which I think is really easy to do. But I also think it's you know, at this stage, it's paramount to to um, not risk any any chance of messing up the investigation that's yeah. ongoing. So I think yeah. it's a really tough place for the the police sergeant to be in. Yeah, because like they can't they can't give away all the details they like that's important for their investigation and compromise their investigation. Mm-hmm. If suddenly everyone knows these details. I want to give credit here to the police chief, James Fry, who is getting a lot of um, frustration and um, accusations kind of hurled his way as to, you know, why aren't you doing a better job? You're inept, things like that. Jesus during this time when they still have not caught anyone in the early, early December, are still, everyone's still looking for an arrest. That has not happened yet. On December 7th, he, the police chief get himself gets a U Haul and drives it out to the house to retrieve the victim's belongings and return them to family. Oh my God. Yeah, I thought that was really poignant. That's really thoughtful and compassionate. Later that day, the very same day when he was retrieving the um, belongings and getting them back to family, they actually, the police have an announcement. They're looking for a white Hyundai Elantra. A car matching that description has been seen parking on King Road, where the house was, and racing from the area of the crime scene. Oh, who drives that car? So it's very interesting how they get to the bottom of what what's going on. So on these, these cameras in the area, they see this car. They then have areas in the unit Um, police officers campus police area police like local police they have a, a lookout for this car they find a car matching that description in one of in like a local um a local apartment complex and they look it up and they find that it belongs to a gentleman named brian Koberger. They get permission to access the phone records and the GPS kind of coordinates based on the phone records. Yeah, if you've listened to serial things like that and or other criminal um, investigations, they can kind of see where your phone is pinging. Yeah, yeah. Um, They can see that his phone not only does his phone ping there at nine thirty that morning, (gasps) so after the crimes have been committed, it pings off of a path basically the path from there to his house so his phone was off when he arrived there early 4 a.m or whenever he arrived there if he did it um but he turns it back on whenever he's leaving and so there's a trail kind of from the area where the house is all the way back to his apartment oh my god well and on top of that the gps when they start looking further into these details they can see that his car has pinged at the, um, off the tower closest to that house at least 12 other times. Oh my God. It was fucking him. It was totally, what's his explanation? Does he have bushy eyebrows? As a matter of fact, he does have bushy eyebrows. How about that? Is that what photo three is in my email? Yeah. Why don't you grab photo three now? He's young. Mm Mm-hmm. He is much younger than I thought he would be. So he is actually a PhD student- At the neighboring Washington State University, which is like 13 miles from Idaho, from the Idaho University. He is a criminology PhD. What the fuck? What the fuck? He's a sociopath. Yes. Oh, my God. He's a criminology PhD? He is a criminology PhD. Yeah. So a little bit about just to backtrack for a moment before I tell you a little bit more about him. At around the same time that this um, APB is out, you know, to look out for this Hyundai Elantra, he is getting into a Hyundai Elantra with his dad. Um, his dad is, has flown from Pennsylvania to drive the 37 hours back with him to Pennsylvania. And interestingly enough, he gets stopped twice by Indiana police officers for like speeding or something very benign. Um, is not arrested, but they have that data and can use that data later um, as they were kind of working up the, working up for an arrest. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was a coincidence. And the reason I say I don't think it was a coincidence that he got pulled over twice. So he was going home. If you think about the timing of this, he was going home for winter break. That's gross. He's, I hate that he's a PhD student. He was going home for winter break. They were staying in um, a mountain house in Pennsylvania, In the Poconos and on the early hours of December 30th, 2022, under the cover of darkness, a special emergency response team kind of creeps in from the wooded areas around and busts up into the house and arrests them. Why couldn't they just like arrest him? That's just not how they do it. I guess they were trying to get all their ducks in a row. And then I also maybe it was helpful to have him in an isolated area when they did that. Or Um, maybe like they didn't want him covering things up. Quickly, Mm -hmm. I don't really know. Probably not just for the drama, but it was like the way it was described sounds very dramatic, extremely. As you dig deeper into this Coburger character, over time people have kind of come out from the ward work a little bit uh, and have spoken about how uncomfortable he made women. I have several different examples. In one case, in 2015, he went on a tender date with a woman who I'll leave unnamed. We can call her Sarah no not Tara. no that's her sister's name why would you pick that name (laughs) no (laughs) went on a tender date with the Jane and they went to a movie and it went fine he was a gentleman he would open the door for her he was polite to all of the workers but he drives her back to her apartment and then invites himself in kind of he doesn't really ask permission he just kind of goes up with her and Mm -hmm. she gets uncomfortable because he keeps tickling her Ew. I know. It's not funny, but I'm just Ew, like, I can't f- think of anything worse. Red flag. Even worse, he keeps saying, I didn't tickle you after he tickled her. What a psychopath. You just can't make this up. So she's uncomfortable, and she doesn't, she clarifies that she didn't feel unsafe, but she felt unable to. So this woman doesn't know how to quite to handle the situation, and so she goes into the bathroom and pretends to throw up, which... Oh my Knowing God. Because he followed her to the bathroom. Like he kind of <gasps> walked behind her to the bathroom. She no. Closes the door, pretends to throw up, and then he's like, he, I'm not feeling well. I guess, yeah, he guess gets that, takes the hint, or is like, ooh, gross. She has throw up mouth. I don't know. And messaged her that he's leaving, and then messages her afterwards that she has childbirthing hips. Oh my God. I like want to just create like a registry of fucking creeps on Tinder and just give it to like the right. FBI. Childbirthing hips. Yeah, that's special a special form of gross. Fuck you, dude. Just a little bit more about this this man. So he yeah. originally went to um he did his undergrad at DeSales University studying criminology. And he studied under Dr. Katherine Ramslin, who's a serial killer expert, and she wrote a, a very famous book for those of us who um are know a bit about, you know, true crime. Um, called How to Catch a Killer, and it was about the BTK killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with that book. Mm -hmm. I have not read it. I will not read it, but. Yeah, I mean, so he learned under her. Studied that. Yeah, probably a little too into it. Um, He also, whenever he was graduating from undergrad and getting ready to go to start his PhD, he said that he was participating in this study or was helping to run this research study where they learn about people's experiences or thought processes in those who have committed crimes. And he posts the following on Reddit. Oh god, not Reddit. Hello, my name is Brian. This study to, seeks to understand the story behind your most recent criminal offense with an emphasis on your thoughts and feelings throughout your experience. This research has been approved by the Desales University IRB. Thank you for your time. Other other things in in here. Upon arriving, what steps did you take prior to locating the victim or target? Oh, my God. How did you leave the scene? Did you struggle with or fight the victim? Did you prepare for the crime before leaving your home? Oh, my God. How did you travel to and enter the location that the crime occurred? Before making your move, how did you approach the victim or target? How did you accomplish your goal? Please explain what you were thinking and feeling. He posted this on Reddit. I'm I'm confused. On what subreddit is he posting? To serial killers on Reddit? I have no idea. This guy do I is need unhinged. That doesn't make sense. Completely And unhinged. it's also creepy. And I'm going to just go out on a guess and say that that was not approved by the university to just post a fucking creepy thing on Reddit. I 100% agree. It was also the timing was right around the time he was graduating. So it makes no sense he has like a newly funded IRB. Like just doesn't no, that, that doesn't make sense. sense. That's a lie. And also I'm pretty sure they don't do studies by just like talking to people on Reddit who can just fucking lie. <laughs> that's not yeah, how that I think works. they have a little bit more of a rigorous standard than that. Yeah, I, I think, think they have like a whole database of criminals that they can use for mm-hmm. their research. This guy is fucking gross and obsessed with serial yeah. killers and has been fantasizing about this for a long time. I could go on and on, but I don't want to waste any more time on this man, so I'm just going to not. Um, but em. that's just a little excerpt on what people's experiences and interactions with him were. The last thing I will say is that while as a PhD candidate, he was he got very bad reviews and per, in particular there were several complaints reported by women in his class about him making them feel uncomfortable and oh he God. was having disciplinary meetings around the time of the murders about that and then prior to him being arrested but after the murders was fired from the PhD program. Mm-hmm. holy shit that takes a lot to fire someone from the phd program and he was yeah, fired truly, for harassing women yeah yikes big yikes so this man is arrested yeah that's it. it i think is very justified based on the evidence um other evidence that i just wanted to briefly mention do you remember the shoe print that i said was outside yeah, that's a that's hell of yeah. a that's a really good piece of evidence. Also, this guy who seemed to think he was a criminal mastermind, right? Yeah, he's like right. going to go pull. Out, I presume thinking he's pulling off the perfect crime, which might I also say was a very odd first crime because when people traditionally when people commit crimes, they don't start with trying to kill a house full of people. That's yeah. kind of a big. Which makes me think he was very arrogant to think that he could pull something off like that. Yeah, he sounds very arrogant. Exactly. He also, this asshole, left in one of the rooms, he left a knife sheath. What a fucking idiot. That had his fingerprints on it. What a fucking idiot. Okay, so it was him. It was fucking him. Before he had put his gloves on, I think at some point he had handled this knife sheath at home or wherever and so that actually did have everything else i think he had gloves on when he did it but that actually did have fingerprints so what they did is when they were looking into this guy they took trash from outside of his house house and dna tested it Mm -hmm. much like they did with the golden state killer and found that it excluded 99.9998 percent of the male population okay so it was him I I think highly likely. So he is now um, set to stand trial for the murder of four people as well as burglary. That's so scary, and I'm just like upset at how many red flags there were. I don't know. I think that's what was so scary. Um, uh, reading about this was how I think I'm a pretty uh, aware of my surroundings and things like that. But Mm. I wouldn't know if someone like there's there are things that you cannot prepare for and it's just really scary how did he he must have had the key code he must have been watching them go in i think he probably either watched them go in i mean it sounds like he was outside their house many a many a time or maybe maybe there was a party this is just me guessing but maybe there was a party going on and he just like slipped into the party or like watched someone put in the code for you know We'll find out. Uh, one thing I will say is that like a lot of people, I think knew this code because it was a frequent place. You know, it was a, a very safe community in general, and it was yeah. a frequent place that they hosted parties. So probably not the most top secret code. And they like Ubered home. They like went out in groups. You know, that they yeah. did a lot of the things that we would recommend people do. They and it just, was like a house full of people. There was a man, and you know, there was and a, a dog. In the house. I think sometimes as women we feel uncomfortable. Oh, the to the point of the dog, this. Man was a strict vegan and would not, or is, I guess, and would not eat anything that had touched animal product in any way. And that's, I think, why he didn't hurt the dog. That doesn't make it... Because well, of his strict morals. Yeah, because his morals are so good. <laughs> oh, my God. I fucking hate him. What an unlikable serial killer. <laughs> like I know that. I know. This is a, a guy who um was friends whenever he was younger. He was friends with a kid who was a little bit, they were both a little bit, a little bit of outsiders, him because he was probably a weirdo. And then his friend had, was on the autism spectrum and so felt a little bit uncomfortable and left out in certain situations. And so when they were young, they hung out together and then, uh, and they both had some, were a little heavier um, than they wanted to be at that stage. And so they just had some insecurities, but soon enough, the friend said, this guy makes me uncomfortable. Uh, i don't want to be friends with him and then whenever he told the this guy um that he got pinned to the ground by him (gasps) he's so yeah he's a fucking sociopath yeah i don't understand it i don't understand how parents don't notice these things and maybe they did like i'm not trying to blame the parents in any way maybe they've Mm -hmm. been trying to get him help for a long time but like I don't know. I just don't understand. Like like at the Museum of Death that I was talking about, there was like a picture, like you said, they could just print whatever the fuck they wanted back then, a picture of Ted Bundy after he got electrocuted for two minutes. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, dude. That's it wasn't so a fun museum. Yeah, it wasn't a great museum. And Don't go. <laughs> don't go. And I surely will not. It was printed, and next to it, it was also a photo of his mother who like right before he went in the chair like called him and was like, I love you. We love you forever. You're a baby boy. And I'm just like, I just don't. Emma, if you killed four people, I would be terrified of you. I'd be like, I don't know who you are. Yeah. So it just makes me feel like they they knew and they, like, just repressed it. There is this, so there was this entry onto a message board that was either by Brian or someone with the same photograph, birthday, and email. You know, you can't say for sure it was him, but... (laughs) <laughs> signs point it was him yeah who had posted whenever he was 14 um i'll give you just a little excerpt i am 15 and 21 days and don't want to wish i'm dead because of this horrible thing he was talking about something called visual snow syndrome which is where you see like kind of dots in your that look like snow almost like a tv has like that static oh. in your um in your vision something major is wrong with me i am just a blank soul I used to be a spelling bee champion. My doctor put me on every medication and it made me crazy. I always feel as if I am not there, completely depersonalized. Mentally, I feel like my life is a movie. I have delusions of grandeur, poor social skills, all caps, no emotion. I can say and do whatever I want with little remorse. Everyone hates me. Pretty much I'm an asshole. I broke my table for no reason. I find no joy in life. So he obviously was seeing a doctor. yeah he was being prescribed medicine i'm sorry i don't mean to i don't mean to come after the parents the way that it sounds i am i'm just like confused like i'm confused how it slips through like back in the 70s when everyone's like it's fine go bike around (laughs) but like it's 2022 when this is happening Mm -hmm. like we know like we know the signs i'm accepting that i have no way of conceptualizing what it's like to be a parent parent of a serial killer with a kid who you're trying to get help for, but no, is kind of odd. But you, you're not assuming, oh, there was a murder in the neighboring town. Probably my kid did it. You know, you, you, I don't think that's where your mind would go. I, I think I don't know. I'm not a parent, and I did not raise that guy. I would be interested in talking, like, in seeing a panel of like parents of serial killers. I think that would be there very helpful. There actually are there are discussions like that. Um, there's another podcast that I that I enjoy um that I'll give a shout out to called um Red Handed that I one of the things I really like about that podcast is they talk a lot about like they talked at one point about Rasputin and they did all the historical context which I thought was That's really fascinating cool. and the context in World War One and all that um but I think I haven't listened to it but I think they do have conversation with like a parent of someone who turned out to be a serial killer so I bet that would that was a very enriching, insightful yeah in, in, insightful um communication yeah I'd, I'd be interested to to learn more about that I'm upset that so he went into criminology f- the way that he did that's yeah, really it scary. Was, whenever he got arrested and that was what he was in it was just like a whole a whole nother layer of yuck yuck and scary well I'm sorry that was a really heavy one but I it was I figured y'all would probably hear more about it if you haven't already. So I thought I would kind of catch you up and talk to you a little bit about what happened and try to honor the, the four people who passed away. Yeah, honor their lives and their memories. When's the trial? You know, I actually don't know if there's a set date. Let's see. It takes eight years. He probably won't go to prison until like 2028. Is he in jail? Yeah. There's a preliminary he- hearing set for June 26th at 9 a.m. June. June. I'm telling you, these things are slow moving. Oh my God, June. But don't you worry, this man will be in jail until that time. Okay, what's his bail set at? He didn't get bailed out, did he? No. I I, I don't know the details, but there's no way in hell this man's getting bailed out. Okay, good. Crazier things have happened, but I really, in this particular case, absolutely not. I think that the entire state of Idaho would like, come get him. (laughs) Yeah, I honestly I think it's safety, probably for his honestly, for his safety. Yeah. Agreed. Oh my god, not that I'm not I'm not advocating for his safety, but I do want I want some justice. Exactly. That's not that's not the kind of justice. It's like with um who's the guy? Jeffrey Epstein. Thank you. That's the first thing I Thank was you thinking for reading about my too. mind. Epstein didn't kill himself, you heard it here. I I watched the whole documentary. I don't think he killed himself either. He absolutely didn't, but you know, that's a whole other episode too many- that we are not going to. And do. I've listened to too much true crime and I've heard of wilder things happening than someone getting assassinated because they knew too much. So, yeah, not if not if yeah. no, he def he definitely didn't kill himself, whatever. Ooh, that was fun. I feel I feel um great in my soul. It doesn't feel heavy and sick and terrified oh, go with your pups this is why like boys boys like just don't care about locking doors uh, that's a generalization obviously but <laughs> boys just don't care about locking doors but as like a woman I'm like like I said whenever I, I've said this before whenever I go in, through my garage and I close a garage door I don't just like tap it and walk in I turn and I watch it close you know what I mean yeah. You guys need to, I, I want our club members to stay safe. Make sure that you're taking precautions. Even if, I don't care if you live in a safe area. I don't care. Lock your door. There are psychos everywhere. I don't know what else to say. There's nothing that they, it's not like they did anything wrong, but just, I want to protect our club members. So I hope you guys listen to this and just lock every yeah. single door. Get a good deadbolt. Don't dead be bolt. scared, but be aware. Be aware. Make sure that you have like a sturdy deadbolt. When I was in college, I had um one of those things that you could, because I couldn't deadbolt my dorm but I had one of those things that you could place to like lock it yep I have that like as a well. stopper mm-hmm. so yeah just take precautions and keep wasp spray right by your bed don't I'm share so your serious. password if you do share it change your code scary really scary stuff well thank you for the trauma Emma I'm so glad at least I did it you know on a bright bright morning with the sun out and you still have a whole day to shake this off rather than right before badass thank you podcasts sometimes go yeah i do appreciate i'm glad that we recorded this during the day it feels a little better with my giant dog next to me snoring okay and i have my my fierce cat next to me he raja raja will get you he'll claw you up yeah raja raja yeah he's he's protective i'll give him that i'll give him that (laughs) Thank you for listening through this rather disturbing tale. Um, I hope you can take something away from it that's productive. Um, And I guess I'll see you next time on our next True Crime Corner. Oh, my God. Please make it less than four victims, please. The last two. Yeah, I promise I will go a different direction with the next one. This one was heavy for me, as I'm sure it was for all of y'all. So the next one I I will take in a lighter direction. I have a couple of ideas. I have a couple of ideas, too. Do you? I do. I got mm. my true my true crime cap on. I hate it, but it's like I'm glued excited. to my head. No, <laughs> I was going to say it's glued to your head like it's, Matilda. Like Matilda. <laughs> <laughs> like Danny DeVito on Matilda. I'm going full Danny DeVito with my true crime cap. Can't take it off. <laughs> well, we'll leave you with that visual. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave you with a visual of me um, trying to yank my cap off a la Matilda. And until next time, you guys, stay spoopy. Stay spoopy, guys.